Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Patek, alongside 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivins. We've got a great show for you today. This Wednesday, we're bringing on our friend Tom Lloyd. He's going to break down everything that happened in Las Vegas over the weekend as he saw some of the best quarterbacks in the country in the 2025 class at the Nike Next Ones event at Bishop Gorman High School. We'll also talk a little bit about Michigan. How about the Wolverines coming off a national championship? They have also broken an NFL record with 18 invites to this year's upcoming NFL draft combine. We'll talk about that and how they got there as well. But Drew, while we're on the topic, one little thing, we talk about the NFL combine a lot and why it's important, but how does that relate to high school in the evaluation process of where we are on the ground floor? I was thinking about last year. We got a big weekend coming up for the boys. We'll be in Atlanta for the Under Armour Combine. And you think about the names, right, that we saw in person. There were some question marks maybe surrounding a couple of these guys. How about Jordan Ross, the five-star, the number one edge rusher in the country in 2024? You go down the list, Cam Coleman, the number two receiver as well. These guys had big days. You think about Cam Coleman. He comes in six three and a half, runs four four eight, has a ten eight broad. Drew, we 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 kind of get at this emphatically right throughout the year, and I think it's a really good reminder as we start to get into the spring combine season. This is important for us, especially at this level, to see these guys, to be able to body type, to be able to really kind of see good on good, even though it's not full contact and in pads as well. But Drew, some of the takeaways from the 2023 event last year, February in Atlanta, I mean, you go down the list. How about these guys? Jamonte Waller, Ryan Williams, David Sanders, now the number one tackle in the country in 2025. Kanan Daniels, top 247 running back with Florida. Jaquan McCroy, Daniel Calhoun. The list goes on and on. Drew, for us, uh, it's pretty interesting to go back, look at this event that we'll be at this weekend. I think it served as one of the biggest indicators for us in the entire evaluation process. Absolutely, Cooper. I mean, uh, we're in an era where data and information is king. You know, we just had that Under Armour Orlando camp this past week, and we talked about it on Tuesday's show. Got the results from that. You know, a lot of guys that said they're six foot six, actually six foot four. Uh, a lot of guys running the four four on the lasers are actually running four sixes and four sevens. So no, it's a great event. You mentioned Atlanta last year. Remember, David Sanders earned his fifth star. He got that battlefield promotion. And you're right, they're in shirts and shorts. Uh, But why is the scouting combine so important? Why are all the NFL executives in Indianapolis in a few weeks? Because this is a matter. Everything is an evaluation. You want to see guys that can compete. Um, And Coop, my saying, and I I stole this from a guy who's really, really fast, Marcus Van Dyke, now the cornerbacks coach at USF. 
fast guys want to show that they're fast. So uh, they show up and they run, right? That's what they want to do. That's what fast guys want to do. So I'm excited to see if anyone pops off some fast times this weekend in Atlanta. I'm going to be interested to see what happens at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis in a couple of weeks, right? People still trying to figure out who's going to be quarterback two behind Caleb Williams. How about Jane Daniels? You talk about speed, right? He's got an opportunity there. Jane Daniels, Drake May battling it out for that number two spot. Guys, just a reminder, you are locked in to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. You can find Andrew Ivins and myself every Tuesday and Wednesday at 5 o'clock Eastern time. And if you're in the chat right now, you happen to be watching, please make sure to smash that like and subscribe button. We appreciate all your help. And guys, you can also find our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And without further ado, let's bring in our good friend, Tom Loy, who Tom Loy, you've been very busy, my friend, but in this week, a little bit jealous. You got to go to Las Vegas Super Bowl week and cover an event called the Next Ones presented by Nike uh, with some of the best quarterbacks and signal callers in the country. Relatively new event. First year, I believe. Uh, Tom, give us a little bit of background on this event and, and kind of why you were down there covering it. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't just quarterbacks, a lot of really top athletes on both sides of the ball, but really good event put on by Nike. Um, they put them all up at Red Rock, so they were definitely uh, staying in a great place. All the events were done at Bishop Gorman High School uh, in the Summerlin area, so about 20 minutes from the downtown in the Strip. But really good event. It was loaded across the board. They had accuracy. They had fastest man. They did a lot of uh, – they tried to treat it like a, a pro bowl. Had a lot of fun. The guys loved it, but uh, – in the end, for me, at least with the accuracy challenge aspect, I mean, as you watch the quarterbacks kind of take on, um, Tavian Sinclair, Ohio State commit, he won it all. Um, he beat LSU, really just edged him out. LSU commit Bryce Underwood, 28-26 to 26 in the final. Other participa participants were uh, Beckham Kritza, Penn State, Blake Hebert out of Clemson, George McIntyre committed to Tennessee. Um, th those were the guys that ran it out, but really good event. Um, those guys really shined across the board. Tom, Tavian St. Clair, he's been a darling behind the scenes at 24-7 Sports. Our quarterback number three right now, I think this was your first time seeing him, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's a kid from a small town in Ohio. I thought he took a major step forward between his sophomore and junior seasons. We continue to kind of glow and, and put some shine on that Ohio State quarterback room. What do you think of him just alongside some of these other premier signal callers like a Bryce Underwood, who was our number one ranked prospect and George McIntyre, who was our number two QB. Yeah. Um, like you said, first time seeing him live and, and man, I texted you as soon as the event was done and I, I couldn't have been more impressed. Like stock up for this kid. Ohio state's getting a great talent, uh, big, strong. Uh, he had a real thick build. Looks like a linebacker just kind of walking around. Uh, mechanically, he was very clean, uh, really athletic. Um, I can honestly see him uh, pushing for that top spot uh, when all is said and done, but really, really liked him. Great to meet him, talk to him a little bit. Very locked in with the Buckeyes, recruiting hard for those guys, but big, big fan of Tavian St. Clair. Tom, the number one player in the country was there, as Andrew just mentioned. He's committed to LSU down in Baton Rouge. Bryce Underwood, your impressions of him in Las Vegas? Man, effortless. Everything he does, it makes it look real easy. Um, I was looking back to an event you and I were at, uh, Ivan's, last year, the Atlanta Pylon event, um, and major improvements mechanically for Bryce. He kind of no longer throws it like that three-quarter arm slot. He's much more over the top, much cleaner, but the ball jumps off his hand, man. Uh, big, big fan. I, I mean, obviously, he's number one for a reason, but uh, he, was, he was terrific. He, like I said, he just fell a little short. Tom, you mentioned it's not just a quarterback event, right? There were some other guys there, different positions as well. Since we're on the topic of LSU, you got to see Harlan Berry from the state of Louisiana committed 
top 247 running back. You also got to see DeCorian Moore, one of the best receivers in the country. Fastest man competition? Tell us a little bit about this. Who, who, who brought home the hardware here? Yeah, I mean, officially, LSU commit, Harlan Berry edged out, LSU commit to Corian Moore, and Ohio State commit Devin Sanchez in the finals. You also had other participants like safety Trey McNutt, tight end Teandre Waverly, um, defensive back DJ Pickett, and receiver Darian Williams. But like I said, the finals were those that trio. For me, I thought it was DeCorian Moore that got it at the end, um, but it was too almost too close to call between all three. Uh, but overall takeaway from that alone was Devin Sanchez can absolutely fly at 6'2", 175 pounds. I mean, freaky upside at that size and speed, but he's like a, I know you guys use it all the time, but like a first off the bus guy, that's Devin Sanchez. I think that's the second fastest man competition. Harlem barely has one coup, but we at the future 50 this past summer, I think it was Barry against the Korean Moore. Am I wrong? There was someone else involved in that competition. I mean, LSU, you look at that recruiting class, all right? We said Bryce Underwood, uh, the Korean Moore, Tom, who I think uh, your wife was fired up. I mean, she was scouting from the stands and texted you. What? Who, who, who is that guy? I mean, that got some speed coming there in, in Baton Rouge. Yeah, she was all over that kid. She go. She was literally pointing, texting me while I was watching the quarterback. She's like, I don't know who this kid is, but he's the fastest kid I've ever seen, and all this kind of stuff. It was it was pretty funny, but yeah, Decorian Moore clearly stood out to her. That's for sure. Anytime that you have the wife involved from the stands, and she can point it out and say who is that guy. It's typically a pretty good player. She's got an eye for this time, maybe a better eye than you. We'll talk about that later. But hey, you're also there for the scoop as well, and it seems like Oregon is on the heels of trying to continue to improve what they've been doing on the recruiting trail, the number three ranked class in 2024. They're sitting in a good position right now, a long way to go, but at number 11. Tom, what are you hearing about the Ducks and uh, the vibe out there for Dan Lanning in 2025? Ivan, I believe you called this last week when you were talking about a school on the rise and you said Oregon was the team to watch to get into that top 10. So uh, talk to Derek Meadows, top 247 receiver, and, and he mentioned Oregon, Notre Dame, Bama, Florida. Uh, I like Notre Dame right now, but Oregon is absolutely a team to watch. They just offered top 247 wide receiver Cooper Perry. I like Oregon. That's where my crystal ball is at. Watch out for Oklahoma. He just visited there. Uh, Four-star safety Jaden Hudson. I think Oregon leads for him. Tennessee and Ohio State are also in play. Um, Fahim Delane, the number one safety according to you guys. Oregon, once again, first team, first team he mentioned. Um, but I do I do think Ohio State's the team to watch right now, but the Ducks are definitely in play. Uh, you got top 100 edge rusher Nasir Wyatt, and I think Oregon leads for him. Um, he wants to take some visits, but keep an eye on Tennessee, Ohio State, and a few others. Uh, you got top 100 wide receiver Isaiah Mosey. Also mentioned Oregon. You can see a theme here. Nebraska, Tennessee, and Missouri also in play. But Oregon, in my opinion, is the team to beat. Very tempted to put a crystal ball pick on the Ducks. Um, SJ Alufatuli, uh, top 100 offensive lineman, the number one, number one or one of the top centers in the country. Oregon, Miami, a couple others in play. And then two more defensive backs. You got DJ Pickett, Trey McNutt, two top 100 guys. Both mentioned Oregon, Miami, a couple other schools to watch. But if you know, for McNutt personally, I think I think Ohio State's probably the team to watch. But don't be surprised if the Ducks land him. And then with Pickett, Oregon's a real, real threat that isn't getting talked about enough. Um, I'm watching them in Miami closely. Two things here, Tom. Number one, we do not have a center ranking, so I know you got tripped up there. But I would agree. Agree. SJ's probably would be the number one center. We just classify him as IOL, interior offense alignment. Number two, we're going off roading a little bit here. I mean, Cooper do this at times. When when these kids are talking Oregon, is it 
hey, they're moving into the Big Ten, or is it like I want to play for Dan Lanning? What like what, what is the feedback from the prospects? Honestly, I think the well, basically what they were saying was the majority of it had to do with Dan Lanning passing on every other opportunity, including Alabama, and staying at Oregon. In a, in a time where you can't really trust these coaches to stick it out in one place for a long time, I think this offseason Lanning made it clear that he's going to be at Oregon for the long haul, and there may not be a school in the country that can offer more or give him more than what he's already got at Oregon. So that was really the theme. It was all about stability. Um, and, and the coaching staff sticking together for the long haul. That was, I mean, obviously everybody knows about Nike and the uniforms and whatever, but it was basically about Dan Lanning sticking around. Tom, I want to ask you about Derek Meadows, and, and this is um, a prospect that has quickly risen through the ranks, a guy that has been on our radar for quite some time. Notre Dame has been on him from the onset. They've done an incredible job. They've got him to campus. And this is, I want to bring this up because this is, where we are. We've talked about, I don't want to say this hypothetical situation, but it's playing out in real time. I, I think we've seen this with Marcus Freeman and the Irish a handful of times where they've done a tremendous job uh, really beating the rest of the country to the punch when it comes to prospects like Derek Meadows. Since then, Tom, in the recent weeks, Derek Meadows has picked up the likes of Alabama, Georgia, Oregon, so on and so forth. Notre Dame's in a good position right now. Do you feel like they can hang on to a guy like Derek Meadows? And where do you see this recruitment really kind of going from here? Yeah, I actually do. I, I was kind of a little skeptical when I saw all the offers jump in. And, um, you know, like like you had mentioned, you know, Bama, Florida. And he still, you know, verbally says he wants Tennessee. He's calling for that offer. They still haven't given it to him. But he's actually planning a trip to, to Knoxville, too you know, meet with them and potentially get that offer in hand. So maybe that's what Josh Heupel and those guys want to do. But I actually do think Notre Dame's going to end up getting him in their class. I think he's, I think the staff is doing a great job. Uh, Chancey Stuckey really laid the, laid the groundwork, uh, the former receivers coach, but Mike Brown has kind of taken it up a notch. And I think him, Marcus Freeman, the rest of those guys, I think before the season starts, and it could be August, maybe September, I think Notre Dame will land his commitment. Tom, you mentioned the balls with Derek Meadows. This is another team me and you identified last week on signing day as someone that's outside of the top 10 that could shoot up into the top, you know, five potentially. They already got the quarterback and George McIntyre. Who else are they involved with that was out there uh, in the Sin City? Uh, we already talked about Derek Meadows, Nasir Wyatt, Isaiah Mosey, Jaden Hudson. All of those guys also mentioned Tennessee. So it was Oregon, Tennessee, and couple others for each of them but keep an eye on Jamie French I, I don't really love Tennessee to land the top 50 wide receiver right now I'm probably leaning towards Ohio State right now with Florida State and Miami also involved but another guy was top 247 offensive lineman Jalen Matthews he seems kind of not all over the place like he can't make a decision but the former Penn State commit is considering you know Tennessee Georgia Maryland Miami Syracuse and a couple of others he wants to take his time, long way to go. He's in no hurry. So look for him to take a lot of visits. And then uh, lastly, top 247 edge rusher Damian Shanklin, very high on Tennessee. I think right now the pulse is Notre Dame's probably the favorite. Ohio State's a school that he wants an offer from, called it his dream offer or his dream school. So keep an eye on the Buckeyes. They need to jump in sooner rather than later. Um, but I like Notre Dame today. Tennessee's a very real threat, though. He'll he'll be in Knoxville this offseason before all is said and done. Huge fan of uh, Damian Shanklin. Uh, Tom, uh, another question that I had for you, just kind of going off script here, is, you know, you think about the programs that we're talking about right now. We're talking about Oregon, Tennessee. We're going to talk about Ohio State here in a second. All three of these programs, I think, have shown over the last year or so, especially Ohio State recently, 
that they are aligned uh, from top to bottom, especially when it comes to NIL. I wonder at the high school level at this point with a ways to go until December, how much of these conversations maybe center around NIL when you're talking to some of these prospects and why they're interested in some of these programs? Uh, there wasn't a single person I talked with this weekend, at least on the record. And honestly, the more I think about it off the record, nobody really talked about NIL. The only person that said he didn't really like NIL and the way things are moving was Jalen Matthews. He thinks it's actually hurting the game and hurting college football. But I think the majority of that stuff's going to you know, occur. Obviously, it happens behind the scenes. But I think a lot of that's going to have those you know, on-campus meetings with that department and things like that. But um, I think with these guys, they all know they're going to get stuff for their their abilities and rightfully so, um, whether it's a you know fifty thousand, couple hundred thousand, they're all going to get what they can and what they deserve. But I really think that what Oregon's selling with their pitching, especially with the stability, things like that, that's what's set, separating them from a lot of other schools. Ohio State's got their own pitch; they're just loading up on both sides of the ball. They've obviously improved their NIL game, which we saw this off season. But I think that the having balance is key for a lot of these schools. And, and like you said, those three schools are doing it right. The reason I bring that up is almost because I feel like there is a part of the recruitment that feels like a traditional recruiting process. And that's where we are now. And then when push comes to shove, once you get into the spring, once you get in the summer, fall official visits, they almost don't even exist anymore. Then I feel like once you get on campus, those conversations become a little bit real. So I feel like that's where we are. And the prospect timeline is like you have to win the traditional college football recruitment. And then after that, it becomes a little bit of a tainted game where financially that's where that kind of starts to in, uh, enter the picture a little bit. So that's pretty interesting. Uh, we talked about Oregon. We talked about Tennessee. Another team we wanted to bring up was Ohio State. We talked about Tavian St. Clair earlier in the show. Jamie French, Fahim Delane, what are you feeling with these two guys in Columbus? Yeah, man, I am really, really close to putting in a crystal ball pick for Jamie French to Ohio State. The more I get around him, I saw him at Battle Miami. I've talked to him regularly since then, only a couple weeks ago, and then talking to him again this weekend in Vegas. Like, I just, I can't see the Buckeyes missing on this top target. I know Florida State, Miami, LSU, and Tennessee are involved, but, um, and he's going to take his unofficials. He's going to take his official visits as well. Um, he maintains that he wants to wait until December, or at least he might wait until December to make his second and final decision. But I just think the Buckeyes are the team to beat right now. Brian Hartline is there doing a great job. And as long as nothing changes there um, and things go well for his good friend, Jeremiah Smith, um, during year one in, in Columbus, it's it's just hard to see Ohio State missing on that one. Um, and then the other one was Fahim Delane. Like I said, number one safety in the country. I, I like Ohio State to get that one done as well. Um, Oregon and Maryland are two other major contenders. Um, you know, he spent a lot of the time that day in Vegas connecting with Ohio State cornerback commit Devin Sanchez. Um, they hung around a lot. We're laughing. Um, they kind of look like friends and teammates already. But he, Delane, wants to commit after a few visits uh, right before the season. Um, my team to watch outside of Ohio State and Oregon and Maryland, maybe Texas. He talked about taking an official visit to Austin. So if he does and it comes maybe even after Ohio State, keep an eye on the Longhorns. They're kind of a dark horse here. But again, right now, I like Ohio State to land, land Fahim Delane and Jamie French. What a ridiculous haul that would be for the Buckeyes in the secondary. Top two corners and uh, Naeem offered Devin Sanchez. Blake would be a slot corner, and now they're going to have the number one safety with a few other corners in play. Tom, I'm going to stay in my lane here, but I'm going to give you a little piece of advice on, on Jamie French. 2023 cycle, number one ranked receiver in Florida, Carnell Tate, played for the South Florida Express. 
went to Ohio State. 2024 cycle, number one receiver from Florida, Jeremiah Smith, played for the South Florida Express, went to Ohio State. 2025 cycle, Jamie French, number one ranked wide receiver in the state of Florida, plays for the South Florida Express. I don't know. That seems like a trend to me. Uh, what about crystal ball picks? You got any? You got any crystal balls for us? Yeah, I guess I could throw in a couple. Um, yeah, I, I was close to this one before the trip even started, but I really like Nasir Wyatt to Oregon. I mentioned it before. Um, I think they're gonna they're doing a great job. So I'm gonna join Greg Biggin, Steve Wolfong, and Brandon Huffman with that one. I like the Ducks to get it job get it done. He even said that they're doing the best job with him. So he wants to take visits. Ohio State, Tennessee, Michigan, a couple others are also in play, but. I really like Ohio, uh, Oregon to get that one done. The other one, safety, Jaden Hudson, also to Oregon. Um, I think the Ducks are going to get that one done, get that commitment. Ohio State, Tennessee are the other top contenders. But again, we talked about this earlier. For him especially, the stability of the coaching staff, um, then also distance, and just his overall connection with that coaching staff, um, I really think that's why Oregon uh, is the team to beat. And I'm also not ruling out USC. If they really start to push and do a better job with him, um, there is a possibility the Trojans could get back and play. But And then lastly, offensive lineman SJ Alofatuli. I like him at Miami. I think the Hurricanes are going to land him. I give them a slight edge. He, I mean, he lit up when I asked him about offensive line coach Alex Mirabal um, in Coral Gables. And that relationship clearly means a ton to him. And I think that's actually what's separating the Hurricanes from the rest. But Oregon, A&M, Alabama, Michigan probably make up his top five. He wants to narrow it down to a top ten a top five, take officials, then commit right before the season. So we'll see what happens, but I like Miami there. Beautiful pronunciation of the Polynesian name. Drew, the, uh, another name that I think you left out, Brandon Ennis, correct? South Florida Express, is that right? No, he, he would be number two, but yes, he is a South Florida Express uh, player as well. And there's a Heartline photo where he's smoking a cigar with that SFE sweatshirt. I don't know, I'm just saying, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a trend. No coincidences. That's, that's not, <laughs> yeah, it's not my line. Tom, uh, I have one more question before we let you get out of here. Any any buzz on Alabama? I know there's a lot of uh, fans right now kind of wondering the the nature of what it's going to look like under Kalen DeBoer in terms of is he going to be able to pick up the legacy of Nick Saban in terms of recruiting and kind of putting that hat on. Any feedback, Pulse, whatsoever in terms of what you're hearing about the new staff there in T-Town? Not a lot. Not a lot. Not a lot of these guys were talking about visiting. Um, though I know I mentioned a couple, but but really it was few and far between, and and which is very weird, obviously, to, to not hear Alabama come out of these these kids' mouths. But I also don't think I think they're being patient. I think that that staff is is probably fine hearing that. I, I don't think they would have really high expectations for that either. So I think they're going to be patient, see how things go. I think March will be a big month. Get them back for spring practice. Um, and especially the spring game, really see what they can do, see how things kind of move for the Crimson Tide. And then obviously the guys that don't commit before the start of those senior seasons, um, let things play out into the fall, see how this Alabama team, it's still Alabama, and that's a great staff, as you know. So I think the more patient that the prospects can be, I think it'll work out for Alabama because I expect them to do well this year. So um, as long as they're patient, then I think Alabama's absolutely going to get theirs. But right now, it's real quiet regarding the Crimson Tide. Tom Loy, it's always a pleasure, guys. Make sure to check out his work on 247sports.com. You can also follow him on X at Tom Loy247. Guys, just a reminder, I talked about Tuesday and Wednesday, the 247 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. 
How about Thursday? What are you doing at Thursday, 5 o'clock Eastern time? How about 24-7 Sports live on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel? I will be hosting tomorrow. Emily Proud is out. It will be me, my friend, Smoke Dixon. We're going to talk a little 2024 NFL mock draft. Make sure to come join us. Guys, also, if you're listening, make sure to like and subscribe to the show. Drew, we've talked a lot uh, about the NFL Combine, the NFL Draft tomorrow. We'll talk about that on the uh, tomorrow's show here on, on 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. There was a fan in the chat yesterday, uh, who a gentleman in the chat brought up a really good point. He said, hey, I, you guys never talk Michigan on this show. And I, and I kind of went back and I thought, I was like, we haven't talked a lot of Michigan. These guys are national champions, but in terms of recruiting, kind of felt like it's been a little bit of a void. So I thought, hey, what a great opportunity with the NFL Combine coming up. 321 invites out. How about this? Michigan breaks an NFL record with 18 invites to the NFL Combine that spans over four classes from 2021 all the way back to 2018 when I was there a long way and drew some stats for you. How about this? Only one player inside the top 100. That was J.J. McCarthy, nine top 247 prospects, nine three-star prospects, including four transfers, no five stars. And the lowest rated players include Drake Nugent, who came over from Stanford, and Josh Wallace, who came over from UMass. So, Drew, I'll just tee you up here. 18 players, a lot to digest. There are some basic stats for you, but your first impressions of seeing what Michigan has put out coming off the heels of a national championship. Well, I know this can go both ways, right, because some of those guys transferred in, but it's really 19 if you include Joe Milton, who got in from Tennessee to the scouting combine, which is just crazy to think about. Uh, one word, or actually is this two words, player development, Cooper? I mean, I – we always used to talk about Alabama squeezing the most out of guys. And I really, I think that applies to Michigan. They just get the most out of these individuals. And the one that stands out to me, and I know he's not up here on the screen, but is Jalen Harrell, edge rusher. You know, I think he's was at Michigan for four or five years. He's the guy who I saw his spring before his senior season. And, it, you know, I, guy that I thought was maxed out. You know, I, I can't recall if we had much verified information on him, but it was like, is this guy going to go on to get drafted one day? And I think that was a, it's a lesson for me um, looking back on it. Cause he had some traits, you know, dad played uh, at the next level and he was a guy that went both ways for a, a talented brand, uh, Tampa Berkeley prep program. So I think player development is the word for me, Coop. I, I believe, were you not involved in some of these guys uh, recruitments or are we a little dated there? I was there 2017. So the 2018 class would have been that Joe Milton, who you mentioned finished his career, at Tennessee. The other guy was Michael Barrett. And I think back to that recruitment, Chris Partridge, uh, who spent this last year with Michigan, uh, 
Drew, he was always tied in in the state of Georgia. And I think about Michael Barrett, and you think about, all right, what stood out? Michael Barrett played quarterback, uh, didn't play a lot of defense, had some snaps on that side of the ball. So there was some evidence to that. But you talk about a guy that just did a little bit of everything. I remember that class so vividly because it was all about how do we raise the floor of this roster because we were missing out on some of the top prospects on our board left and right. I think about guys like Chris Olave, Josh Job, go down the list, Amon Ross St. Brown, JT Daniels. Brian Addison, guy, Julius Irvin ends up at Washington. So it became, okay, now we have this logo. We're one of the most prestigious brands in the country. We can get in any living room. How do we raise the floor of the team? What I mean by that is players that we know can contribute. They might not be high-level uh, starters in terms of guys that we feel are going to be day one or day two NFL draft picks. But if you look at Michigan and what they've done, I mentioned nine top two, four, seven prospects here invited to the NFL Combine. A lot of these guys at the offensive line, Drew, and I think about what they have done at the offensive line, six of the 18 coming from the offensive line. Sure, they had a couple of transfers as well, but uh, Drew, I was talking to somebody inside the Michigan program yesterday that said that Ben Herbert, the strength conditioning coach at Michigan under Jim Harbaugh, who has joined Jim Harbaugh in Los Angeles with the Chargers, was the most important support staff member in all of the country. And in terms of what he brought to that program from an identity, from a toughness standpoint, also the culture as well. Uh, You think about these strength conditioning coaches, and a lot of people probably try to get to the bottom of it and say, hey, why do these guys get so well compensated? They spend, and when I say they, the players spend the most time with their strength and conditioning staff more than any other coaches. That, that, That is where the true culture and sense of team is developed. So that's a big loss for Sharon Moore that they're going to have to replace. And the, the other part of that is proof of concept as well. Drew, I think Michigan under Jim Harbaugh has certainly proved themselves as one of the best player development programs in the country. To me, that is not the biggest question mark, but I wonder if Sharon Moore can uphold that standard going forward. I want to go back to those O-linemen, right? So what is it? They got six guys in the scouting combo, and I think you said that uh, when I was going through our 2024 O-line rankings, what stood out to me is I think out of the uh, top 10 players, prospects in the 2024 cycle, uh, with the top 10 shot put markers, I think Michigan had landed pledges from three of those guys. And, you know, shot put, why does that matter? It's lower body explosiveness. That was a certain, certainly a key indicator when it comes to success and, and potential. And, you know, you think about it in the trenches, finding leverage, unlocking those hips, moving individuals out of the way. So I guess bottom line, I, I just don't know if where there's going to be much. I mean, obviously there's going to be a drop off, but it seems like Michigan is reloading with similar players. And I think what we've also talked about, Cooper, I don't know if we've done this on air. Michigan, I think so far, just one guy has asked out of their uh, letter of intent. You know, other programs, there was a, a, a ton of movement after the head, there was a changing of the head coaches. Michigan, it, to me, it speaks to the culture that not a, guy, a ton of guys have looked around. Now, they still can. I don't think that window's closed, but it, I think that says a lot about what's going on there in, 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 in Ann Arbor. That's a, that's a tongue twister. Drew, six other programs with 10 or more invites to the NFL Combine. You go down the list, Washington, Florida State, Texas, Georgia, Alabama, and Penn State. How about this? The combined record of these seven teams, if you include Michigan, who won a national championship, went 15-0, 89-10. and 10. 
I don't have the record of the year before, but some of the teams uh, in that category as well, not 10 or plus. I think Alabama and Georgia were the only 10 plus last year. You go down the list, I think LSU was at nine, Florida was at nine, TCU was always at, at or also at nine. You take Florida out of that, to me, it was a little bit of an eye opener, and people might be sitting at home and say, yeah, well, the teams with the most NFL and experienced talent are obviously going to be the teams that you can somewhat predict are going to have some success on the field. This one kind of stood out to me. I mean, there was no team outside of Penn State that had 10 or more players invited to the NFL Combine this year that had three losses, right? So you think about that and what that means. And we talk about height, weight, speed, that philosophy all the time and being able to hit on these guys. I don't know. To me, that was more of an eye-opening takeaway than anything. Like, if, if, if you can continue to develop these players at a high level, and we talked about it with Michigan, I mean, 2021 to 2018, right? The COVID year kind of comes into it as well. But if you can continue to stockpile talent, and that's what we talk about, like, sustainable, I think a lot of people ask, like, hey, why are you guys so high on Oregon? I expect Oregon, Dan Lanning, that program to be right up here, nine uh, to ten players two years from now, every year, year in and year out. And that's kind of what I look at it is, you know, we were having the conversation yesterday, future indicators of success. I think this is a great stat year to year to kind of see like this correlates uh, to the top 1% who could potentially win the national championship, but also compete for it as well. You think Wisconsin and Luke Fickle, you put them in that category as well. All right. We've said that a pro day in uh, Madison pretty soon is going to be looking good. I remember a few years ago, Luke Fickle, uh, at Cincinnati, I think where they had nine guys there. Coop, one other thing that jumped out to me, Florida, just with two combine invites, Ricky Pearsall, transfer wide receiver from Arizona State, and then Kingsley Ukajin, uh, interior offensive lineman. You look at their record, okay, just you know, two NFL guys there. I think Holy Cross had two uh, NFL combine invites. So, you know, that, that that's one that jumped out to me as well. Jim Nagy brought it up, the director of the Senior Bowl, does a phenomenal job, another great year down there in Mobile. He brought it up, Drew, I think the number is around 4% of FCS, so sub-FBS level invites to the NFL Combine. You compare that to years past, that number's obviously down. He had a tweet out about it, talking about transfer portal effect. I mean, you go to the conference breakdown, SEC 75, Big 10, behind them at 60, Pac-12, uh, rest in peace at 52. Big 12 at 39, the FCS at 14. Drew, any takeaways from the conference breakdown as you see it or maybe any trends emerging here? Well, uh, Nagy's referring to what? Those guys transferring up. And I think that's that's all over the board. I mean, the MAC has just two individuals. Uh, they lost guys to the Power 5 level. You know, there's some good players in the American that weren't invited as well. I mean, it's just not surprising to me. I think it's only we're only going to see more of this in terms of um, the, the two conferences out front, uh, the SEC uh, and the Big Ten. We'll see what happens with the media rights and whatnot. But I, I think this is kind of the, the, the lane we're in, what, what, what it's going to look like moving forward. Drew, we've been in it long enough to now I think, you know, we've recruited a lot of these guys. I've recruited a lot of these guys, depending on where I was at the time. But a lot of these guys now having the opportunity to get drafted, biggest job interview of their life coming up in two weeks. You've been in it on the media side long enough and the scouting side, is there one or two players that you go down the list of the NFL combine attendees that you're like, man, I'm excited about this guy because I know he's going to show up in a big way. Maybe that's some people aren't talking about, or maybe people are talking about, but you just expect big things from in Indianapolis in a couple of weeks. Uh, well, okay. I don't know if this is exactly answering your question, right? But I saw a lot of people on X. I think you call it X. I still call it Twitter. Um, 
complaining about Joe Milton getting into the com, Brian, right? Joe Milton over some of these other quarterbacks that were snubs, like Tua's brother, John Rice Plumley, And Coop, I mean, this is kind of goes back to what we always say about the big franchise projectable frames. He's got a cannon for an arm. I went back and I looked. Joe Milton, Elite 11 regional before his senior year of high school. He was six foot four and a half. 222 pounds. He, this was a guy that played seven on seven, was running down the field uh, and doing backflips. Uh, evaluators are going to drool over that. And I think you could honestly take the evaluation everyone had of Joe Milton coming out of Olympia High School uh, and apply it to Joe Milton coming out of Tennessee, heading off into the NFL draft. So you compare his six foot four and a half frame to uh, Tua's brother, who was 5'11, and then John Rice Plumley, who was six foot one. I mean, at the end of the day, the NFL continues to value height, weight, speed. I mean, that is the name of the game. So you want to talk about our rankings process? Yes, we're going to covet and prioritize the big athletic individuals because the guys on Sundays, those decision makers are doing the same thing. As somebody who recruited Joe Milton while I was in Michigan, you could have taken Joe Milton out of Olympia High School, as you just alluded to and put him at the NFL Combine at 17 or 18 years of age, and I think he would have been one of the most physically impressive prospects in attendance. And that's Joe Milton. That's who Joe Milton has always been. And Now, in terms of the on-the-field product, I think there's a lot to be desired there. I don't know if that guy, to me at this point, the most disappointing thing about Joe Milton, I love Joe Milton, the individual, the most disappointing about, I would say, the lack of development so far at this point in his individual career is that we haven't seen him take that next step. The same guy that you would categorize him coming out of high school in Orlando is is really the same prospect that he is today. So he needs some seasoning, obviously, to transfer from Michigan to Tennessee. Andrew, you just never know, right, just in terms of these guys finding the right fit, having some time to sit at the next level, really develop, get the pressure off their shoulders. Joe Milton made of all the right things as well. I believe won an award down at the Senior Bowl for best teammate as well. So he's got the intangibles. I think physically still needs to, to come along, and that's the game within the game. He can make every throw on the field. It's not about the arm talent, more about the processing, playing at a faster level as well. So we'll see what happens with Joe Milton. Drew, for me, I mean, this one is low-hanging fruit. How about Roma Dunze, right? I mean, I've talked about this guy multiple times. Uh, I think the range on him goes anywhere from uh, as high as number four or number five in the NFL draft, starting with the Arizona Cardinals, maybe not dropping past Chicago at number nine. But you talk about a guy, six two and a half, uh, hovering around six foot three, big physical receiver, 200 pounds, 10'7'6", out of Bishop Gorman. I, I've seen it all. I expect him to really really impress in Indianapolis and made me think the other day man like these guys are they've they've shown it before somewhere there's not a lot of surprises right like Sauce Gardner was a surprise for us DJ Turner you bring up a lot right a lot of these guys that make these drastic improvements like they're the exception of the rule the Trent McDuffie's and the Roma Dunze's and some of these other guys that we've talked about they've been doing it for a really long time it would be more of a surprise if they didn't do it uh, at the NFL Combine here in two weeks so Drew that about wraps it up for us any final thoughts we touched on a lot of stuff today I kind of want to get your thoughts I mean like I brought up the Alabama question because I thought that was fascinating. We haven't heard a lot, but your thoughts on Alabama and what they might shake out to be under Kalen DeBoer as a recruiting program. Well, you just recalibrated my brain, right? So we're flying into Atlanta on uh, Sunday morning, going out to Carrollton for that camp. I want to hear, I mean, you know, I'm not 
holding the cam or the uh, recorder to these prospects' faces, but I'll, I'll I'll chat them up. You know, I always love to ask them different questions, and I want to hear about Alabama because the year prior, you know, in, in in years past, Alabama. That offer, you know, that has carried a ton of weight. Every summer, they have these bus tours that originate from Florida, and they go and they visit all these schools. Cooper, where do the bus tours end? They end in Tuscaloosa because that Alabama offer is the offer everyone wants. I don't know if that's the case anymore. It's just going to be fascinating to see because this is we're going to be in it, right? We're going to be interacting with those individuals you know, what, what does it look like? Who is talking up the Crimson Tide? I think that's a great point. And, and, you know, along those lines, how much is Ole Miss talked about? How much is Hugh Freeze and Auburn talked about? And then Dan Lanning, which they've kind of slowly, you know, broken into the South, the Southeast. I mean, Jaquan McCroy last year, I remember him talking up the Ducks a little bit. Is there any of these other, you know, big bodies from the South that are mentioning Oregon. So, uh, you know, I, I think that was a great question that I wasn't even thinking about it. And now I'm, I'm fired up to see if we get some answers. Be fascinating what happens with Alabama. Kalen DeBoer, Nick Sheridan promoted to the offensive coordinator. And Drew, Josh Pate was talking about it this morning on a radio show. Scott Huff, a guy that I worked with, that Washington offensive line won a Joe Moore Award last year. Obviously, a lot of work put into that group, uh, but that's a tough loss. He's off to the Seattle Seahawks. He's going to be the offensive line coach over there. So a lot of scramble mode. You throw in Ryan Grubb, too. I mean, two guys that he relied upon a lot. So not just the coaching on the field context. Of it. We'll see what happens, but recruiting as well. All eyes on Alabama here this spring. Drew? Great to do it with you, as always. Guys, we appreciate Tom Loy jumping on the show as well. You can find the Oyster Boys every Tuesday and Wednesday on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. Guys, make sure to like and subscribe. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us this week, and we'll see you next week. Have a good day. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.